the squadron. They called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Wow. Hi. Man, if I knew what a white supremacy uh, dominant place this country is, I never would have joined the military. If you joined the military, what a schmuck. You wouldn't want to defend a systemically racist place. Wow. Look at what President Biden did this time. He goes to that historically black college. What's it called? Howard University. Howard University in Washington, D.C. And bad mouths white people up and down, right? We're all white supremacists. Oh, my goodness gracious. This guy, he will do anything. That is the height of pandering, the ultimate height of pandering, the very definition of it. And he was doing it like crazy. Uh, it's it's wild to see out loud. And he said in the middle of the speech, you know, I'm not just saying that here because it's a historically black colleges. I I say this wherever I go. Um, he doesn't say it wherever he goes. Okay, he's very selective. He uses that, I think, when jo- in Joe's biased, prejudiced mind, when he can fool people, right? When there's the greatest opportunity to fool people, in his mind, that's when he says it. I notice he didn't say it at the uh, at the Naval Academy commencement. He didn't say it at the Coast Guard Academy commencement. But he says it at Howard University commencement. Hmm. What do you think, huh? Uh, the mainstream media still, ooh, they are in overdrive trying to correct what happened at that town hall. What happened at that town hall is that Donald Trump owned the town hall. He was amazing. And they have just been trying to say, oh, he was a monster, he was out of control, he was this, he was that, he, uh, he's glorifying sexual assault. All these lies, and usually I could just laugh them off, I can laugh off the lies, but here's the thing, because I noticed it on the Sunday shows yesterday, they're doing it, and it's so concerted, it's so kind of constant, re- repeating and repeating and repeating, that this guy is a monster. Now, only three million or so saw the town hall. And uh, that's a lot for CNN, um, but it's, what, 1% of the country. And the mainstream media, the if you count up the millions of people who have watched those mainstream media shows about the town hall, we're up to about 30 million. About 30 million have watched discussions about the town hall, but actually didn't even see the town hall. The CNN town hall, where he was just totally, <laughs> he just owned it. And he made incredible sense. And even the stuff they're attacking, how could he side with Vladimir Putin? How dare he say anything? Well, it makes total sense because there is a real chance that Donald Trump will be president of the United States someday. And there's a real chance that he's going to be the guy to broker peace. Now, if he's brokering peace between Ukraine and Russia, do you think it helps the process, the peace process? And you know what? We should have a peace process. It's okay to talk about peace. This is the only war where I, I heard that total and complete annihilation of the enemy is the only is the only uh, respectable outcome. What about peace? There could be a compromise. And you know what? Given how stilted and weird our media uh, complex is, I don't think we've gotten the full story. All right? I don't know if uh, Russia just decided one day out of the blue to invade Ukraine. All right? I just don't know. I mean, there must be – there's longstanding beef, territorial beef, all kinds of things, cultural things. And is Zelensky a saint? I don't think so. I know he looks cute in a T-shirt, but there's a lot more going on here, and we're not being told. Anyway, big countries have been invading small countries since countries. I've said that before. I wish it wasn't happening, but what he said, how about peace? This is the country, all, all we are saying is give peace a chance. 
No, you can't say that. You just got to say Ukraine wins above all else. Nothing else. We will bankrupt this country as long as Ukraine can win that. It's crazy. It is. It's totally disproportionate. And Donald Trump may be at that peace table. We want him to have a free hand. And you know what? We got to start thinking about the mindset of Russia and Vladimir Putin calling him a war criminal. That might feel good in a moment. That may be exactly what CNN wants to hear. But why would a war criminal? Why would a war criminal engage in peace talks? What happens to war criminals at the end of a war? Um, they get prosecuted. They get arrested and they get prosecuted and they get put to death. And that's fine. We should do that. Uh, but if we label him a war criminal, well, the war could just go on and on and on and on and on. He'll fight. He'll fight for He'll fight forever. I'd like to see peace. And that makes a lot of sense. In the end, there will be a lot less death if we follow President uh, Trump's uh, guidelines here. He was a master. He's a master kind of a, a strategist. And they never give him credit for that. They just say he said something politically incorrect or they say he said something that the swamp doesn't want to hear. Anyway, everybody's hearing day in and day out what a monster Donald Trump is. Although, to the, you know, I don't know if everybody's on the edge of their seat trying to figure out what Wolf Blitzer thinks. Speaking of which, I saw Wolf Blitzer, Michael Cohen. I saw all these guys walking around New York this day, this weekend. And, uh, it wasn't exactly a chummy reunion, okay? It was not like, oh boy. And I know both of these guys. I talked. I was wearing heavy sunglasses. I looked. I didn't even nod. I did not even think. No small talk. Sorry. Sorry. Everybody's a good person deep down. Not everybody, but I think most people are good. Nobody's totally good. Nobody's totally bad. There's good and bad in everybody. Didn't Michael Jackson and Paul McCartney sing that? Ebony and Ivory, living together in perfect harmony. Right. Remember that song? People laugh at me on social media. I put that video up in the heart of Black Lives Matter. They're like, how dare you say something like this? How dare you say that the races are equal? Wait, what? We can't say that now either. We can't say that there's equality and harmony. No, you have to apologize for your white privilege first. You got to take a back seat. You got to do this. You have to lowercase the W in white. I mean, that was always the case, fine. And the B in black was always lowercase. Now the B is capitalized. The B in black is capitalized. It's kind of like it's, uh, the, kind of like it's supreme. Kind of like it's better than the W, right? I mean, black is better than white somehow. And I have heard the explanation a thousand times. I have no idea what the hell they're talking about. Well, if you look at the Africa diaspora, shut up. You're not making sense, all right? You're basically saying black people are superior to white people, and that's not the case, okay? It's also not the case that white people are superior to black people. It's hideous to think that any one race has dominance, has just and, – and here our president, the president, our president, Joe Biden, going around telling ghost stories about us again, ghost stories. Um, hey, I'm really glad to see that uh, Daniel Penny – his defense fund is overflowing more than $2 million. He is the Marine. And let's stop saying it was a chokehold. We don't know that. We don't know that. I was just watching the Fox News, and they're like, a deadly chokehold. Number one, can you make it any more prejudicial? All right? Can you put any more gasoline on this fire? I see it as an upper body restraint maneuver. That's what I will start calling it, an upper body restraint maneuver. And I will start calling Neely, as uh, my friend Mark was saying earlier, he's the terrorist. Neely was terrorizing people. 
and 41 prior arrests. I mean, he was one of the top 50 offenders in the New York City subway system. One of the top 50. And we're supposed to pretend that he was just this angelic Michael Jackson impersonator, right? It was just that. Hey, did everybody take care of their moms yesterday on Mother's Day? Hmm? 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 Um, I had a bit of an emergency. I really did. I just... uh. I didn't know why. I, I, I kind of dropped the ball, but I saved the day. I got up really early on Sunday, and uh, what's what's open? What's open on Sunday? Where can you get flowers early on a Sunday before Mom wakes up? Huh? I was very in, and I had to get nice flowers. I couldn't just go to the. No offense, but I just couldn't go to the bodega and get flowers. I had to go somewhere nice. These had to be nice flowers. New York, New York. There are some places that are still open, right? And you know where I went? I went to the flower district. The flower, we actually still have a flower district. It's in the 20s, West 28th Street, uh, between 6th and 7th. And I knew they'd be open, uh, because they're wholesalers and they deal with that stuff, uh, in a way that it's like, it's like going to buy fish at the Fulton Fish Market. Although I don't think we have a Fulton Fish Market anymore, but it was like going there. I went to the hub and I got a beautiful arrangement and this guy helped me out. And he's like, well, what do you want to put with that? I'm like, I really don't know. <laughs> okay. And then uh, I told him it was for my daughter to present uh, her mother. You know, it's from her, right? And then he's like, okay. And then you can assemble them when you get home or she can assemble them. I'm like, I don't think we're ready for that. It's like, well, I realize I, 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 I could really use your help right now. I can't put this stuff together. Oh, they, they, they put it together in a very beautiful bouquet. And then I'm uh, on my way home, and I realize, like, yeah, flowers are inadequate. You can't just give flowers. What do you have to do? Breakfast in bed. Breakfast in bed. And the only thing I'm really capable in the breakfast department would be pouring milk into the Fruity Pebbles cereal. And she doesn't like Fruity Pebbles. So what did I do? Another genius move? Because what's open? Now it's uh, it's still early, but it's getting later. It's, uh, it's almost 7 o'clock. And most restaurants, especially on Sunday, don't open until 10 or 11 o'clock for brunch. But what did I do, huh? I went to a very fancy hotel, okay, a very fancy hotel, the Essex House. I know they're, they're, they're serving breakfast in the morning. They've got to be, and they got people flying all over the world. So I went to there, and I, uh, I said, can I get something to go? And they looked at me, ooh, I I'm like, would it be better if I sat down and ordered something? So, yes. So I ordered something for myself, and then I got avocado toast uh, for for Judith, and uh, it was uh, it was a big hit. It was a big hit. And Annalise brought in the avocado toast as if she made it, and uh, uh, Judith was uh, successfully fooled. It looked like I had been working on this for weeks. Uh, no, she uh, she knew. And then and then we went out to uh, beautiful went out to Long Beach. Long Island. Have you ever been to Long Beach? It's right over. It's like you could throw a rock from Kennedy Airport and get hit Long Beach. But for some reason, when you drive there, it's like some sort of force field around the place, and it's a time warp. It takes forever to get there. But we had a great time with my cousin, Amy, and Rob, and it was just a a wonderful, wonderful day. And tell you what, if you want to decompress, go for a walk by the beach. It really – I feel like I was off for – I was offered three weeks just by that one day. Okay, do we get the uh, Joe Biden uh, white supremacy stuff? Yeah, we're ready? Okay, here we go, Joe. Tell us how great America is again. We know that American history has not always been a fairy tale. From the start, it's been a constant push and pull for more than 240 years 
between the best of us, the American ideal that we're all created equal, and the worst of us, a harsh reality that racism has long torn us apart. It's a battle that's never really over. But on the best days, enough of us have the guts and the hearts to stand up for the best in us, to choose love over hate, unity over disunion, progress over retreat, to stand up against the poison of white supremacy as I did my inaugural address to a single out as the most dangerous terrorist threat to our homeland is white supremacy. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. Keep going. Keep going. Nice microphone. I'm not saying this because I'm of the black HBCU. I say wherever I go. Stand up for truth over lies. Lies fall for power and profit. To confront the ongoing assault to subvert our elections. Suppress our right to vote. Hey, the crowd is not digging it. The crowd, the crowd caught on to that. He's basically admitted he's... Pandering. He only does it there. Anyway, more to say on that horrible lie about America. And you know what? We have been through some stuff, but it was 200 years ago. Leave it alone. Do you think President Xi goes around China talking about the, the horrible things that happened under communism? And a lot of horrible things did. I mean, does he go around talking about it? Does Vladimir Putin do that about his country? There's a lot to talk about there. There's a re, you put your best foot forward you're representing america today today did you catch that the battle is never really over that is right out of george orwell 1984 right out almost a direct quote bad guy i'll be back greg kelly entertaining and informative on the red apple podcast network Totally pathetic, and I told you guys all along that Eric Adams was uh, totally unqualified for this big position. He did not have the political skill. He did not have the governmental skill. He does not have the intellect. He does not have the integrity, organizational ability. He is a total and complete zero. But damn, does he look good in that suit, right? That's it. That's totally it. And uh, he goes to the – this was such a sad moment. You know, when my dad left the police department in 2014, January 21st of 2014, his approval rating, his personal approval rating after 12 years as the number one law enforcement official in New York City, right? And we got, this is a really, this is a dog eat dog town, right? This is tough. This is a really intense place and a lot of constituencies and a lot of, you know, it's prone to strife, has been for a long time, 75% approval rating. The NYPD's approval rating. The police department was over 70%. And uh, thanks to guys like de Blasio and Adams, who's been working to undermine the police department, its credibility, its reputation, every day since he's about 21 years, actually earlier, when he's like 15 years old. Hated the NYPD. Hated it. Did everything he could to cause it trouble. He was uh, a bad guy in so many respects. And listen to him as he gets booed. Now he's now because now, it's suddenly fashionable only for him, not not as a terms of like governing or policy, but for him, for him, for his personal brand and ambition. Right. To be the liberal black guy who's tough on crime. That's oh wow. That now that's interesting, but it's a scam. And listen to how he talks about himself here and listen to the booze for the NYPD. It's just 
It's really sad, and he's sad. Go ahead. Some of them are going to craft policies on health care. Some of them are going to work with elected officials to determine legislation. Some of them are going to move on and even fill the role of what it is to be a public figure. Let's be clear. For 22 years of my life, I wore a bulletproof vest and protected the children and families of this city as a police officer. So I know what it is. I know what it takes to hold this city together. And we have a lot of challenges, a lot of things that it needs discipline. And just as you see these graduates here, I know what it is to protest. All right, so they're jeering him. They're jeering him. And he says that thing. He mentions the police department. People get upset that he was a police officer. But the way he says it, oh, by the way, right? I know what it's like. I wore a bulletproof vest for 20 years, whatever the hell he's saying. Like it was all on him. He held the city together. By the way, they weren't wearing bulletproof vests every day for 20 years. You don't wear a bullet. Anyway, just such a bad guy in this moment. And what is he doing with the the incoming migrants that he so desperately wanted? He ran around as a candidate bragging about it. What a sanctuary city New York would be, right? A sanctuary city. He can't get them out of here fast enough. He can't get them out of here fast enough. You know, and, and he doesn't know. He just doesn't know. Remember, first it was City Island, and then it was Randall's Island, and then it was the Port Authority. Now it's uh, Now it's the Roosevelt Hotel, and now it's some hotel up in Newburgh, New York. Kicking out the veterans? Give it to uh, give it to those uh, racist Republican county executives. Has no plan. Has nothing guiding him other than does this look? Does this make Eric look good? All right, for the moment, not even long term. Just for the moment, he just wants that hit. Just that one little hit, like crack. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right, how do we help out Daniel Penny? Uh, it's pretty – I haven't found that gives and go – give, send, go. It's not GoFundMe. It's give, send, go. And uh, all kinds of generous people all across America have been uh, uh, giving money for the defense cause. And uh, that can rack up – that can get very expensive very quick. So uh, – and, of course, this issue is – well, it's it's being monopolized and um, it's being – they're throwing gas on the fire They really are uh, the left, and they want this to be another George Floyd, another Michael Brown, right? They want this to be another defining moment, and they want people scared, and they want people mad, especially Joe Biden. Wow, that speech, saying those awful things about America, awful things about, and yeah, America's been through some stuff. We fought a war about slavery, right? We fought a war about it. And oh, by the way, most of the people on the winning union side happen to be white. All right. This is not a we're not racist. Okay, America, we got past that. It's such an easy scapegoat to point to that, to point to, oh, it's racism. That's the culprit. It's an easy, cheap shot. And, um, you know, he was really bad when it comes to, uh, well, being racist, actually. And this is not a this is not an easy, cheap shot. It's thoroughly documented. Joe Biden said some of the most racist things in the world. Now, 
how many uh, minutes is this thing? It's seven and a half minutes. Okay. The Republican National Committee, after the uh, speech at Howard University, came up with seven and a half minutes of Joe Biden being full on racist, right? Is it, is, is that long? Okay. Well, are we going to listen to the whole thing? We'll see. Let's see how good it is. I know, I know some of the goodies already. I mean, they're, they're so, over the top. I mean, they're so ridiculous. At times, you're going to laugh. I mean, who says this kind of stuff? Oh, yeah. The president of the United States, Joe Biden. All right, go ahead. Wait, we don't have it? I just sent you that thing with that whole big... I, I sent it to you. What, are you. what are you talking about? You don't have it. After all that? Oh, brother. Was that my fault? or I, uh, who, did I, who did I send it to, if not you guys? Um... Okay, Rich, I sent it to you. All right, Rich, the executive, right, him. Yeah, the, the guy who sits next to you. Yep, 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 yeah. I'm going to send it to you, Diego. You're pretty good at turning this stuff around. There we go. And I'm really curious what's in here because I know you ain't black is in there. And uh, the clean, articulate Joe Biden, remember when when Joe Biden was really impressed with Barack Obama because he was so clean and so articulate? Um. That's that's got to be in there, but seven and a half minutes long. What else could be in here? Okay, um, I'm looking forward. Are we? Re- oh, here we go. Okay, take it away. I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. You got the first sort of mainstream African American. Yeah. Who is articulate and bright clean, nice looking guy. Biden recalling his early Senate career, bringing up two segregationist senators, Herman Talmadge and James Eastland, who called African Americans an inferior race. I was in a caucus with James O. Eastland, Biden said. He never called me boy. He always called me son. At least there was some civility. We got things done. The senators that he is speaking of with such adoration are individuals who made and built their reputation on segregation. The Ku Klux Klan celebrated the election of one of them. Using the word boy in the way he did uh, can cause hurt and pain, and we need a presidential nominee and leader of our party to be sensitive to that. My Democratic colleagues don't like me saying this. I think the two-party system is good for the South and good for the Negro, good for the black. Other than the fact that they still call me boy, I don't think they've, I think they've changed their mind. As also known to Robert C. Byrne, was a parliamentary library, a keeper of the institution of the Senate, and he was the institution itself. For a lot of us, he was a friend, and he was a mentor, and he was a guy. 1987, he bragged about getting an award from George Wallace. Biden bragged about an award from the notorious segregationist Governor George Wallace and told the Philadelphia Inquirer, I think the Democratic Party could stand a liberal George Wallace, someone who's not afraid to stand up and offend people. You cannot go to a 7-Eleven or a Dunkin' Donuts unless you have a slight Indian accent. Unlike the African-American community, with notable exceptions, the Latino community is an incredibly diverse community. But- what? This is gold. I can't believe. I mean, I knew he was racist, but I think I think we got to call. Uh, who do you call when something like this goes on? You got to call the uh, the ACLU, the anti hate groups. I mean, you got to call the Department of Justice. I think this is against the law to talk like this. He must resign immediately. This is insane. The uh, <laughs> sorry. Keep going. Sort of mainstream African American. 
who is articulate and bright and, and clean Nice guy. Biden recalling his early oh, Senate career. You, 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 you took it from the top. You took it from the top. Just skip up, skip up 30 seconds and let me know when you're there. Okay. Diego, do you copy that? All right. So you guys working on that? All right. Um, I mean, that's really intense. Who is the guy that he was friends with? Uh, they mentioned George Wallace, Strom Thurmond. He actually was the eulogist. He gave the eulogy for Strom Thurmond. Hey, you know who's given the eulogy for Jordan Neely? Al Sharpton. Al Sharpton gives eulogies for people he's never met. Now, why is that? Why would you have a stranger? Well, he comes with Ben Crump. And Ben Crump has a way of uh, shaking down cities, along with Al, for hundreds of millions of dollars. They make himself, uh, they make themselves a lot of money. And some goes to the family, too, I'm sure. But those guys are very rich men. Al Sharpton flies on, on private jets. Can I hear the rest now? Are we ready? Are we good? No? It's buffering. I thought we were done buffering in like 1999, right? What what buffers? Anyway, I haven't taken a call yet. Uh, let's go with uh, uh, Jeff. What the hell? Hi. Uh, good morning. Sorry, I'm Sorry, this afternoon. Greg. Yeah. Hi. Hi. Uh, I was calling about Ukraine. Oh boy. I had- I'm taking terrible issue with uh, your statement. Terrible issue? Yeah. You are so far wrong to state that it's a big country invading a little country. It's so far beyond that. Hey, Jeff. All right. You know what? I I got a little note here that you think that Putin disagrees with you on Ukraine. Putin is a war criminal. What did you think of what President Trump said at at the town hall, that possibly labeling him a war criminal, as Joe Biden initially did, he specifically said he wasn't a war criminal. At a, and then he had to come back and say, oh, no, he is a war criminal. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's just reacting. Rea- if we label him a war criminal, and I know that would feel great and that would be fantastic. Um, but that long term, strategically, that could that could prolong the war. Couldn't you see Vladimir Putin fighting even harder and longer if he knows he's going to, uh, once the war is over, potentially go to The Hague and be hanged? Vladimir Putin doesn't really care about what they call them. He's called a war criminal because are you familiar with Mariupol, the city? Uh, are you familiar with yeah, there? right. And are you familiar that 100,000 civilians were slaughtered, men, women, and children as they slept? Are you familiar? It, it, yeah, with- I am. Look, it's a horrible situation. It's horrible, and this is one of the many reasons why war is to be avoided. At all costs, all right? Not at all costs. Sometimes you got to fight a war. Sometimes you absolutely have to fight a war. But too many people think, and Vladimir Putin's probably one of them, because he, I don't think he was actually ever in combat, that it's going to be, that it's going to be clean and antiseptic and it's going to be over in 24 hours. Look, man, I'm with Trump. I want the dying to stop. And if you get some sort of personal moral satisfaction in calling Vladimir Putin a war criminal, I get it. But I think it prolongs the war. And I'm all about the dying stopping, just like President Trump said. I think that's the way to go. Uh, Vito in Staten Island, yes. How are you, Greg? How are you, Greg? How's everything? Uh, first off, I want to say about Eric Adams, uh, the NYPD had Eric Adams. Rumor has it, quite a few years ago, he failed a drug test, and instead of firing him, they kept him. I don't know what I, – I have no other – I know, I know. It's just, I mean, it's a, I mean, Levito, I mean, unfortunately, you don't, I mean, I mean, look, you don't know that. I don't know that. All right. So you don't know that. 
I, I keep hearing these great, these rumors, these rumors. I don't know what happened to opposition research. Why the hell? I guess because he has Democrat immunity. Why people did not really vet this guy ahead of time. Why he did not get the vetting that he deserved. The George Santos type of vetting that they're doing now. Um, so Vito, look, that's a rumor. It's unproven. There are a lot of things to say about, uh, about Eric Adams, but I can't, I can't just have, let that be said because we do not know. And you don't know and I don't know. And I don't like rumors. So keep going. Anything else? I- Yes, and I want to touch on the illegals that are being bussed into New York City where we are now running out of space for them and sending them upstate or outside of the city, and they have kicked out 24 homeless veterans so they could move in the illegals into these hotels. All right? I I believe, and I and I think that everyone that's hearing this, this phone call right now should contact New York City Councilman Joseph Borelli, area code 718. Well, hold on a second. Don't, don't, don't say his number. I, for some reason, we got rules about that. If anybody wants to call Joseph Borelli, they can Google it and get the information. Uh, why him, oh, by the way? I mean, he's uh, – why, why, why him of everybody else? I mean, like, why, why him? Well, he's the minority leader, and uh, since, the, since the, uh, the, the leader of New York City Council – doesn't give a, a hoot about anything. Yeah, I, 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 yeah I'm not sure uh, what Borelli can get done. It's unbelievable. This is essentially a one-party city. I mean, if you want to contact him, great. I don't recommend calling him like that, some sort of campaign like that. The phone starts ringing off the hook. I don't know if that actually works. Um, I don't. But uh, you think Borelli – this is bigger than this is bigger than the city council. All right? This has national – he's got national backing. He's, he's getting away with murder right now. Uh, Eric Adams, the, the the country is allowing this. Department of Homeland Security wants this, and um, I don't know. Anyway, yeah, maybe maybe Borelli can do something. Uh, thank you, and let's do one more. Uh, Maria in Short Hills, yes. Hi, Greg. Happy, beautiful Monday. I don't want to talk about the border or that imbecile in the White House, uh, Biden. I want to talk about something happy. At the top of uh, the show, you were talking about, oh, you had a race yesterday morning to go to the flower district to get the bouquet of flowers for your wife. Or you're just like a typical husband. My husband did the same thing. He must have gotten up at the crack of dawn, and he came on with a beautiful bouquet for me. But what a special gift from my daughter. She bought me the most beautiful coffee table book, Letters to Trump. I know that you have it, that you spoke to the president a couple of weeks ago when you did his great interview at Mar-a-Lago. What a beautiful book, and the photography is gorgeous, and the people included in it, so, so amazing, from Leona Helmsley to JFK Jr. to Nixon to everybody. And the best part is I have several friends who belong to Trump International right here near in Bedminster. I'm in Short Hills, and they promised me this summer that they're going to take me there when the great man is there so I could have an autograph by him. Oh, that would be a ton. Yeah, it's big. It's a big book. You get your money's worth. Uh, it's a fantastic book. And if you start reading it, you realize, first of all, it's written the way he talks. It's very direct and it's very factual. It's really interesting. And it's a coffee table book. I mean, basically, coffee table books, they're like picture books. You look at the pictures. You don't really read the captions here. You read you read the book and it's a it's like a page turner. It's fun to read. Uh, the Michael Jackson stuff is great. The Nixon stuff is great. Uh, it, there's so much in there that 
and little tidbits. Bob Hope was a really good investor and just little things. And oh, and his beef with Mario Cuomo. I didn't know about some of that stuff. So I'm glad that's a great gift. Good, good, good on your daughter. Wow. Good stuff, Maria. Thank you. I hope you get that sign. Keep me informed about that one, okay? No. All right. All right. Hey, is Riley, uh, not Riley Gaines. Who's the uh, basketball player who was in Russia jail for a while? Brittany Griner. Brittany Griner. Um, you know, she's really big into uh, transgenders competing in sports. You know, the sport that they identify with, right? <laughs> just, uh, and you tell me, uh, I, I just wonder about her own. I'm sorry, but I think anybody would listen to this and kind of wonder about uh, Brittany Griner's gender status. I don't normally wonder about those things, but I'm going to wonder now. Cut 50, please. Cut 50. This is Brittany Griner talking about uh, stuff. Cut 50. Everyone deserves the right to play. Everyone deserves the right to to come here, sit in these seats, and feel safe. I think it's a crime, honestly, to to separate um, someone for any reason. Um, so I definitely will be speaking up against against those that legislation and those laws that are trying to be passed for sure. Okay, she's uh, transgender. You can't be separated from the sport you identify with, from the, uh, the division, the women's division. If you identify with, you can't be separated with that. That's a crime, Brittany says. Brittany says that's a crime. On television, complaining about things like that. Uh, and what was she thrown in the gulag for? All right. She was thrown in the gulag for having uh, marijuana residue in her inhaler. Huh. I mean, I hate to say this because it's kind of uh, it's kind of below the belt. But uh, go back to Russia. Huh. See how it works out over there. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You know that Jordan Neely guy? I knew he was. Uh, his mother was murdered, and that put him in a real funk. Everybody's reported that, and I heard that back in 2007. And I did say, and I do say, death is a part of life. And, uh, you know, that's no excuse for, well, for trying to kidnap that seven-year-old girl and, and punching that old woman in the face and breaking her nose and all the stuff that he's accused of doing. Uh, but I did not know this about the mother. The mother was murdered by his stepfather in 2007. Um, and he chopped her up, dismembered the body. Wow. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Neely uh, developed severe depression and PTSD and had autism and schizophrenia, according to relatives, as they tell The Guardian. He bounced between homes before ending up in the foster care system. That, that can be brutal. In 2013, the year he started riding the train, he also began crossing paths with police, telling them he was hearing voices. Now, all of this, uh, you know, may make him slightly more sympathetic, if you, or maybe less so. I don't think it makes one lick of difference to the people in that subway train in that moment, Daniel Penny did what he had to do. I showed videos of other people being attacked on the train. You know, it goes from zero to 50 to a thousand miles per hour like that. And some guy confronting a woman, he's yelling and screaming. Uh, you could just feel like something was about to happen and something happened. Punched her right across the face really, really hard. Those things happen in New York and everybody, all these people, some professor at Gettysburg College saying that, 
Never should violence be the answer, especially when mental illness. No, I mean, mental illness, you're more given to violence, certain types of mental illness, certainly schizophrenia and all the drugs that were in his system. Drugs, K2, uh, what else? Uh, K2, and um, I'm not sure, but K2 can be really, really lethal stuff over the top. And everybody's smoking pot, especially kids, 15, 16, 17-year-olds. It's not gonna. It's not gonna do much for you long term, man. It really isn't. It makes you complacent, but it lessens my anxiety. Anxiety. It's good to have a bit of anxiety. Anxiety motivates. It gets us going. Uh oh, I better get out of the cave and go hunting, or else I'm gonna die in this cave. If you had pot, you just feel good in the cave, and you don't want to go outside and take any risks. You gotta mix it up in life, and too many people. And it's everywhere now, everywhere. Everybody's smoking this stuff. Everybody, everywhere I go, all weekend long, all morning long, this morning, 8.30 in the morning on 3rd Avenue. There it is. Someone's smoking it. And, look, I hope. There is hope. Do you remember? It wasn't that long ago. In the 1980s, everybody, a lot of people were smoking cigarettes. You could smoke a cigarette on an airplane. You could smoke a cigarette in the movie theater. You could smoke a cigarette in a restaurant. You could. I remember when Bloomberg got rid of uh, cigarettes in restaurants. We thought he was crazy. This is going to drive the restaurant industry into oblivion. No one's going to want in bars. It's not going to. It's not going to work. Kind of changed the world. The idea of somebody smoking in an airplane is like just <laughs> right. And it used to be no one. They thought that that was unenforceable. That it would never work, and it did. So. There is hope, not only for marijuana, we could reverse everything on that, but for all of these other dangerous, woke uh, things going on right now, critical race theory, people apologizing for who they are. You can judge people on a lot of things. Don't judge them for what they can't control. They can't control their race. They can't control their gender. They, generally speaking, can't control their appearance, short, tall, whatever. I hate it when people get on someone's case over stuff like that. Sandra, don't go away. There's the music. Do we figure out the rest of the Joe Biden racism stuff? Good. How many more minutes do we have to go? I think we got to, I, I estimate five minutes, ooh, four to five minutes of pure racism from Joe Biden. It's not only ugly and sad, it's somehow highly entertaining hearing Joe Biden say these horrible things. No surprise, though. I'll be back. Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, more on Joe Biden's uh, epic, legendary racism in in just a little bit. Uh, Daniel Perry, it's uh, I think. Look, if you got some two million dollars, he should be pretty good. Um, Daniel Penny, rather Daniel Penny. I hope this ordeal is over very very soon. He does not deserve it at all. Everyone's pretending that this is something that it's not, all right? Hey, did you get vaccinated? Did you actually get vaccinated? I told you, well, look, I, it's number one. It's your business, right? You don't have to tell me. Uh, I will just say, because I'm just being straight with you, I did get vaccinated. It was uh, my choice. Uh, I was highly encouraged by my wife, and uh, I did it. Quite frankly, I regret it. I had a real bad reaction, uh, but it was gone in about a day. Um, maybe longer. I felt really weird. Uh, but I felt weird before. I've been sick before, whatever, and sometimes that's part of it. 
But the Wall Street Journal, and this is very important. This is a kind of, I don't know, one of those watershed moments where the Wall Street Journal has gone on record. Officials neglect COVID vaccine side effects. Denise Hertz and Brian Dressen suffered severe neurological symptoms after receiving shots by Alicia Finley. Brian Dressen was an energetic mom, an avid hiker, and a preschool teacher until she got a COVID vaccine. Ms. Dressen, 42, was among the first Americans to be vaccinated. She volunteered to participate in the AstraZeneca trial, and she received her first dose on November 4th, 2020, at a clinic in West Jordan, Utah. I am pro-science and pro-vaccine, Ms. Dressen says. I was more than glad to participate in the scientific process. But even highly beneficial vaccines can have rare, serious side effects. Minutes after the shot, Ms. Dressen's arm began to tingle. Her vision grew blurry and sounds became muffled. The clinic suggested she see a neurologist who directed her to the emergency room. The ER couldn't find out what was wrong and sent her home. Her condition steadily deteriorated over the next two and a half weeks. She experienced extreme nausea, diarrhea, dizziness, painful vibrating sensations, pins and needles in her arms and face, numbness, tremors, brain fog, heart palpitations, and fever. Physicians were mystified. They diagnosed her with a silent migraine and anxiety due to the COVID vaccine after a hospital stay. She was provided occupational and physical therapy, but spent weeks in bed, unable to tolerate sound, light, or even her children's touch. That is really sad. That's a tough one right there. All of it's bad, but you know, we've all, but this, that part, yikes. In the ensuing months, she faced not only debilitating symptoms, but also bureaucratic indifference. Though government officials tried to be helpful at first, on January 11th of 2021, her husband, Brian, a U.S. Army chemist, contacted Avindra Nath, intramural clinical director of the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke. Dr. Nath responded immediately that he would discuss her condition with other National Institutes of Health neurologists. He asked for blood and spinal fluid samples for analysis, and he ominously mentioned that, the current political climate is another aspect that we need to keep an eye on. That's a doctor. What the hell does that have to do with anything, huh? Oh, guess what? This was two weeks after January 6th. The worst thing that ever happened to this country since uh, the war of 18-whatever, right? Mm. Dr. Nath didn't elaborate, but by now the politics of the COVID vaccines are familiar. Bitter disputes over mandates fed skepticism of the shots and claims often false and outlandish, about their dangers. At the same time, public health authorities, anxious to promote vaccination, played down risks that were real if rare, leaving patients like Ms. Dressen in limbo. After failed attempts to work remotely with Ms. Dressen's home medical team, Dr. Nath invited her to an NIH facility in Bethesda, Maryland, for examination. Physicians there diagnosed her with post-vaccine neuropathy, and severe postural orthostatic tachycardia. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to skip that one. Some sort of syndrome, uh, which causes rapid heartbeat or standing up, hmm? which causes rapid heartbeat on standing up. She was treated with intravenous immune uh, globulin, an infusion of antibodies from healthy donors that can modulate an overactive immune response. The treatment helped. But symptoms persisted, 
participated and persisted and would wax and wane. She learned that many others were experiencing similar symptoms after getting vaccinated. She organized online support groups, but Facebook shut them down under its misinformation policy, which bans information that is likely to directly contribute to the risk of imminent physical harm, including by contributing to the risk of individuals getting or spreading a harmful disease or refusing an associated vaccine. This includes claims about the safety or serious side effects of COVID-19 vaccines. Even it appears when such claims are truthful. How dare they? How dare they? You know, you put a commercial on TV. I always notice that actually the PSAs for the pro vaccines PSAs, they never had anything about, well, what could happen as a result, right? They never had that. They never included that. Every time there's a medicine on TV, they always have the side effects. Can can cause cramping, can cause suicidal ideations, can do this, can do that. The Facebook censorship and government inaction spurred her to launch React 19, science-based nonprofit. All right, so look, the bureaucracy gave her the runaround. Uh, big tech tried to shut down her uh, constitutionally protected freedom of speech and People are still having these crazy reactions, and some people are dying. Talk to people in the mortuary business. There are a lot of healthy people showing up, all right? They're the first to notice. And, you know, the CDC, yeah, have they done their study yet? I don't know. Maybe they have. Maybe they're not publishing it. But people are dying who weren't dying before. And maybe some of the concerns about the vaccine were outlandish. You know, any medicine given to 100 million people, Well, some people are going to have an adverse reaction, and we need to have the choice. We need freedom. And what Joe Biden said, remember when he came out and said, our patience is wearing thin. How dare you people? We've been patient long enough. And have some damn courtesy, for God's sake. Remember when he yelled at us for uh, certain people were giving the flight attendants a hard time? Not that you should be giving the flight attendants a hard time, mind you. Sandra in New Jersey, hello. Oh, good afternoon, um, Greg. I'm happy that Judith had a special Mother's Day. So did I. Did the movie, the dinner. But guess who's on his way to my home? Trumpy Bear. You got one of those things. I'm getting it. It's on its way. That's for my daughter. I'm uh, really excited. You're really excited about the teddy bear with yeah. the thing on the yeah, top. I, I. They're still selling those. Well, I, I told Sarah that's what I wanted, so it's on its way. But I wanted to comment about the COVID. I, I started listening to RFK's book, All About Fauci. The first, the introduction, he goes over well over 50 doctors, scientists, Nobel Prize winners who are all involved in his book about the COVID vaccination. And you might want to look at that book because, you know. Yeah, no, he's a, a, he's a dynamite a, guy. He's dynamite. That guy is on fire and he could pose a real threat to Joe Biden in the in the primary, if they let him debate, and the whole system is working against him. You're right about that. Thank you. I'll, I'll have to pick it up. He, he's been on the Newsmax show uh, at least once, maybe twice. Hey, thank you, Sandra. Happy Mother's Day. Do we have the rest of the Biden racism stuff? All right. I need to rest my voice for a moment and just take all this stuff in. All right? This is the man who's lecturing, going around the country, lecturing people about white supremacy and, and racism. He's the racist. Go ahead. Virginia that included hundreds of black voters. Hey, if Haiti just quietly sunk into the Caribbean or rose up 300 feet, it wouldn't matter a whole but lot. The reason I was able to stay sequestered in my home is because some black woman was able to stack the grocery shelf. 
One thing Biden is being slammed for is the crime bill he helped write 25 years ago that many critics say resulted in mass incarceration, especially of young African-American men. Unless we do something about that cadre of young people, tens of thousands of them, born out of wedlock, without parents, without supervision, without any structure, without any conscience developing. It did contribute to mass incarceration in our country. There's about 100,000 of them, if you want to be uh, rhetorically uh, extreme about it, that are the, who are the predators. They are beyond the pale, many of those people. We have no choice but to take them out of society. It's awful hard as well to get Latinx vaccinated as well. Why? They're worried that they'll be vaccinated and deported. Because I was 29, I'm like the token black or the token woman. I was the token young person. Even call centers was rushed overseas in the hundreds of thousands. How many times you get the call? I'd like to talk to you about your credit card. Again, you have to start off with what they start off with. There's less than 1% of the population of, of Iowa that is uh, African-American. There is probably less than uh, four or five percent of that is uh, our minorities. Um, what what is in Washington? I, don't know. I think it's a vast majority. Yeah. So look, it goes back to what you start off with, what you're dealing with. If you were, you know, the emperor right now, you you're running the show. What are the things that you would do, Lee Kuan Yew? who most foreign policy experts around the world say is the most, the wisest man in the Orient. Hunter once re refused a date because of his own Asian hate. In the 2019 exchange, his cousin Carolyn offers to set him up with one of her friends, to which Hunter replied, no yellow. But I, there's one more band member that I want you to meet. Ladies and gentlemen, our vocalist tonight, Michael Jackson. Michael, would you please stand? First son Hunter Biden repeatedly called his white attorney the N-word. He's a grown man. He is the smartest man I know. Hunter Biden reportedly wrote to his attorney, quote, how much money do I owe you because, N-word, you better not be charging me Hennessy rates. In another message, Biden began a text to his attorney with OMG, N-word. And Biden responded at one point with true that N-word. He lied to voters, according to the New York Times, uh, quoting aides of, of Biden's, about having marched in the civil rights movement. And I got involved in the civil rights movement uh, just as a kid. I came out of the civil rights movement. I was one of those guys that sat in and marched and all that stuff. And the New York Times reports, quote, more than once, advisors had gently reminded Mr. Biden of the problem with this formulation. He had not actually marched during the civil rights movement. And more than once, Mr. Biden assured them that he understood and kept telling the story Anyway, that is really, really weird. The Washington Post has given President Biden uh, four Pinocchios. Liar, 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 is how I'd describe it, for claiming he was arrested as a teenager while attending a civil rights protest in Delaware. They write, quote, the right. primary source for this story is Biden. We've learned over the years that he's not always a reliable source. One chapter receiving fresh scrutiny comes from his earliest years in the Senate, when he strongly opposed mandatory school busing. It was designed to achieve integration and a more equitable education. What's less known is how he followed the lead of some of the Senate's most fervent segregationists. Working with segregationists on an anti-busing agenda is very 
very scary. 1977, Biden worried that his children would grow up in a, quote, racial, his words, jungle if integration is not done in a, quote, orderly way, whatever that means. On March 25th, 1977, Biden wrote, my bill strikes at the heart of the injustice of court-ordered busing. It prohibits the done. I think the concept of busing, which implicitly... ...that he is speaking of with such adoration are individuals who made and built their reputation on segregation. The Ku Klux Klan celebrated the election of one of them. Using the word boy in the way he did uh, can cause hurt and pain, and we need a presidential nominee and leader of our party to be sensitive. All right. Wow. It got a little jumbled there at the end. Uh, the NRC put that out. Devastating. Absolutely devastating. How do you how do you step out in public with a record like that, huh? By a complicit media covering each and every misstep you make, and boy, does he make them. I'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, you know what's really fashionable, what's really in right now? If you are an election official and you ever got a nasty email from a uh, constituent or they made fun of you on social media, you can go around saying, I am the victim of, I am now suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, because you got a nasty email. This is what... um, Bill Gates, 51 years old, a lifelong Republican from Maricopa County Board of Supervisors, because uh, let's face it, there have been some really weird things going on in Arizona regarding the elections. It's not on the up and up. It's okay to have concerns. Um, If you run for office, you're going to get some you're going to get some feedback and not all of it's going to be pretty. And they're trying to outlaw the feedback now. A threat is always illegal and is never, ever acceptable. All right? If you threaten somebody with bodily harm or anything like that, that's wrong and it should be wrong and it is wrong. Um, and from time to time that happens and uh, that the authority should pursue it. But anything short of that, I'm sorry, there are going to be, and this guy Bill Gates is whining like crazy about what he went through. Let's see here. He's a therapist. He's going to see a therapy because he was... He was going through all the classic signs of post-traumatic stress disorder. Yes, a condition typically associated with wartime veterans and violent assaults. But this guy gets uh, cyberbullied a little bit. He's an elected official. You know, elected people are a little bit different. I mean, who the hell gets out there and says, you know, I will cut your taxes. I mean, that's a special kind of person. They usually have a pretty healthy ego to begin with. Um, and to go forward, look. This is a trend, though. I've seen election commissioners in Philadelphia. I saw the secretary of state in Michigan, and I'm going to check into this guy. They talk about all the stuff they're going through, PTSD, and at least in Philadelphia and in Michigan, they're talking about, oh, they can't sleep at night. Oh, uh, we're, we're constantly looking over our shoulders. And I, I found picture after picture of these people just kind of frolicking about their lives, having pool parties, going out in public, marching in parades, having a gay old time. 
They're not curled up inside suffering from PTSD. The guy Omar, one of the Philadelphia commissioners, he, he was the worst. Oh, yeah, I was so traumatized. And he's literally telling everybody where he is all day long, Facebook living, Instagram living, because that's like a talking point. And that is a way to cancel our side, really. And since we didn't just accept the election results, since we said, hey, wait a second, this doesn't sound right. Uh, no, let's have a recant. No, let's have an audit. No, uh, we want to we want to bring this to the Supreme Court. And no, you know what? And yes, today I still have a beef with the election. I still don't trust it. Since when the hell am I supposed to worship the Board of Elections? What the hell is so special about? Have you ever gone to one of those things? There are some nice people there, but some of them, quite frankly, are derelicts. All right. And they're just hanging around there. It's completely and totally susceptible to. All kinds of trickery and cheating. Yeah, cheating. And what happened in Pennsylvania and Philadelphia and stopping the count in the middle of the night and all that stuff. Whatever happened to count, 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 count until the early morning hours, right? No, they, they couldn't call that election for a few days. Remember? They took, it took them a couple of days. Interesting. Um, and we're allowed to have doubts, right? This is still America. And I guess they're allowed to tell the, their sob story to the newspaper and they'll write it all down but it's a sinister attempt to get at our free speech that somehow questioning the election is bringing on an insurrection and all that stuff you know how it goes don't fall for the trap Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network Hey, hey, Yeah, these guys are uh, really, wow, what a tale of woe. A tale of woe. You're an election official in Arizona. They're making fun of you a little bit on, on social media. Welcome to my world. Man, oh, man, oh, man. And then the, the, the Washington Post has 10 pages on this guy and his alleged PTSD. So sorry we did not, uh, worship the elections officials, right? Aren't they infallible? All right. Uh, Vivek Ramatswamy, they are really pushing that guy hard right now. I like him, but not for 2024, maybe in Trump's cabinet, but it's a little bit too much. Did you see Ron DeSantis? Uh, <laughs> showed up in Iowa. Uh, no one's digging this guy. I'm sorry. He doesn't have it. He doesn't have the mojo. He apparently doesn't know how to act in a room. He gets very weirdly shy. You know, th- th- to be a politician, you gotta kind of be able to connect with people a little bit, look them in the eye, shake a hand. Uh, he doesn't like calling people back. He just can't be bothered. Uh, he's a very strange individual. Uh, not ready. It's not gonna happen. Sorry, but it's not. Now I know they have some plan. They have some scheme where they're gonna wait. Like Trump can win the first, uh, seven primaries, but they're going to in delegate rich California. You know, DeSantis wins that. Maybe he wins New York. Maybe he wins a couple of other highly populated states. And it goes all the way to the convention. And then what are we left with? DeSantis, look, if by some miracle he pulls this off, I will be totally on board with DeSantis. But until then, I am, I'm, I'm for Trump. Totally and completely. I like the guy. I like the policies. And basically, DeSantis tried to imply that Trump is a loser. That's pretty. That's pretty bold talk for a guy whose entire career was made by Trump. I mean, his entire political identity Trump made, Trump created. Uh, DeSantis is a copycat, a total copycat. 
anyway, the donors are not impressed, and neither are the people in Iowa. So DeSantis and Mike Pence walk into a cafe. It sounds like a joke. Walk into a bar, and literally nobody recognized them. Did you see that tape? I also noticed that when people go up to see uh, DeSantis and to get their picture taken, no one's smiling. No one really, there's no excitement around the guy. There's no genuine um, feeling, emotion. It's just like, oh, yeah, DeSantis, he, he's, he's, in, he's in the fray. Maybe I'll get my picture taken with that guy. Um, so listen to this. This is Nikki Haley. Is she still running for president? Cut 28, please. Cut 28. Anyone that feels like they have been sexually assaulted in any way should come forward and have their voice heard. I also think anyone that's been accused should be able to defend themselves. There's a verdict, and I think there's been an appeal. And I think it stands where it stands, and I think the American people need to make a decision based on that. Mm, I don't know. She's uh, kind of playing both sides there, right? Make make a decision on that. Um, over the weekend, I saw Chuck Todd in a very cynical way. He invited this guy more, M-O-O-R-E, He's with the Christianity Today, and he's like one of these uh, evangelicals who is so horrified that anybody could like Trump, right? I mean, after all, look at all the stuff that he's done. He's been with a, he's been his pictures taken with the porn star and the checks and all this stuff. Uh, I don't, uh, I don't get it. Number one, he totally mischaracterized the E. Jean Carroll verdict. He totally mischaracterized the Access Hollywood tape. These guys are very lazy when it comes to Trump. If you allow the mainstream media to dictate the agenda, to dictate the facts, you will find yourself like Mr. Moore this weekend, going with the flow. Going that's where you gotta you gotta like kind of take a stand. You have to make a stand to know things, to depart from what they would have you think and do. Susan in upstate New York, welcome back. Hi. Um, yes, all the that ta- that speech of um uh, Biden. Now, it's Donald Trump who permanently funded black colleges. It's Donald Trump who got charter schools passed for poor minority students in Washington, D.C. But Obama didn't do that. And Biden, two terms, and either did Clinton. Clinton vetoed charter schools. Oh, and you know, Hillary was such a child advocate. While their kids go to schools and limousine to that fancy, uh, you know, friend school. And he is the one who has delivered tangible benefits to minorities. The true civil rights issue in this time is educational equality. All right. You said it all, Susan. I agree. Yeah, that's Sidwell Friends. That's the school that they all go to in Washington, D.C. The Obama girls went there, and it's like the school and apparently it's woke central, like just about all the schools these days, totally woke and weird. I don't know what we're going to do about that. My kids are fast approaching. They're growing up so fast. One is three. The other is one. The birthday parties are fast approaching. Then there'll be two and four. And I'm told it goes quick. And I can tell you it's going very, very fast, too fast, too fast for me, entirely too fast. Thank you for that. Uh I'm hearing once again Joe Biden. The lines of communication are open with China. The lines of communication are open. You know, they've had no phone calls since the China balloon, since all this tension. Didn't Joe run around the country in the for the entire 2020 campaign bragging about how close he was to President Xi? I traveled with him for more than 70,000 miles. President of China, just the two of us alone. I know him really well. 
um, that was a commercial. That was an appeal to clients, to people who wanted to do business with China, who had some sort of an agenda with China. And then, don't see me, see Hunter. Hunter's the man. What's up? What's wrong? What? What? What'd you say? Why'd you get up? Well, you got up and you pressed the microphone for some reason. Seriously, Diego, how are you, by the way? I'm good. How are you? Uh, the, the border situation does not seem to have changed in any major way, although I hear the weather was crummy down there. Title 42 went away midnight uh, Thursday. Uh, what are you hearing? And by the way, where are your relatives from? Never mind. Never mind. I'm trying to engage you here, and you're just blowing me off. That's all right. Maybe somebody out there loves me. Eric in Queens, hi. Yes, Greg, I love you. A um, couple of quick points. As far as COVID goes, I'm not vaccinated. I had COVID March of 2020, and to this very day, I still have the maximum amount of antibodies in my blood. And I've seen dozens of doctors in the past three years. Not one of them ever, ever pressured me to take the vaccine. So the doctors are not pushing this down our throats. It's the politicians. Um in regards to the illegal immigration, a couple of things we need to look at. Um, the Mexican-American War. Most people are not familiar with the results of that. Yeah, I don't want to talk that about has- that. Eric, thanks for the first point. Excellent, excellent point. You're right. The politicians were were all over it, not uh, not the doctors. I Actually, I have a physician in my life who uh, did not want to take the vaccine. And guess what? They kicked him out of the hospital. They kicked him out of the hospital because he wouldn't take the vaccine. Poor guy. Had all the credentials in the world. And, uh, Phil, you had an issue along these lines as well, right? Phil, hi. Absolutely. Greg, love the show. At 60 years old, I got a clear bill of health from my cardiologist, echocardiogram, nuclear stress test. I took the vaccine. I took the booster. And now at 62, a massive heart attack, blood clots surrounding my heart. Blood clots. Really? Yes, yes. Did they put you on on Plavix? I don't know what they put me on. The blood thinner. The blood thinner. Are you taking the blood? The blood thinner. I I am on multiple blood thinner pills now, and they had me intravenously on blood uh, blood thinners. Um, I just I was in the hospital for all of January, um, and I told the doctors I'm a workout guy. My cholesterol is 107. I I don't drink. I don't smoke. I got a clean bill of health two years ago, and I get this vaccine, and now at two years. My widowmaker and anybody out there with a heart problem knows what the widowmaker is. Was 100% blocked. My other two arteries were 97 and 97% blocked, and my heart was surrounded by blood clots that I had to have at least. Uh, the one surgery was two hours long. So now you uh, can't the, do any physical exercise. Is that kind of part of the deal? No, I have nine, nine, nine stents around my heart to keep my arteries open. From a guy that worked out six days a week uh, for his whole life, doesn't drink or smoke, I took that vaccine, and my whole life changed. So this this phone call is for everybody out there that thinks it's just them, and the doctors will poo-poo it, and the doctors will say, no, it's your family history. It's not. It's that vaccine. So wait a second, though. Let me ask you this, and I have total sympathy, and I'm very open-minded on this, And uh, but, I mean, how do you – Obviously, circumstantially, it could be the vaccine. Did anybody say, were they able to establish that? Is there any way to establish it? No. Anytime I mentioned that to the doctors, they went right to family history. Listen, our family, we have dementia. We have an assortment of cancers, unfortunately. 
we don't have any heart attacks. My father had 11 brothers and sisters. Not one of them had a heart attack. Same thing on my mother's side. So what is your life like right now? I mean, nine stents around the heart. That sounds pretty intense. I mean, what can you do? What can't you do? I thank God. God bless doctors. I got great treatment at Morristown Hospital in New Jersey. Um, they took care of me. The nurses were great. Uh, I have to slowly get better. They say I'm going to be okay. I'm on multiple pills I take every night, day and night. Um, and they just said you have to get. I just have to get stronger. I just have to get stronger. Right, okay, but what? what my, yeah, like what? What, what does life look like? Okay, you take the pills at night and during the day. But what can you do? What can't you do? I mean, can you drive a car? Can you run? Can you walk? Can you go upstairs? Can you cook? Can you, uh, I don't know, play tennis? Well, what can you do? What can you do? I Well, the, the outlook is looking good. I don't know what the future, if the blood clots are going to reform, if they're going to come back. I have no idea. Um, I, I can drive. They just gave me clearance a week and a half ago to start driving. Um, and if I wanted to go to work, I can go for two hours a day, maybe three. But you get tired when your heart is not pumping and you're filling up with fluid. It's just, you know, it's a tough battle. It's a long road. But the secret is a, a lot of prayer, and I love what you do with God and Jesus and the Bible. That's one of the reasons why I listen to you. And uh, we're just going to get stronger every day. We have to stay positive. Well, I love it, Phil. Hang in there, and uh, thank you, and Wow, that's uh, that's a lot, man. That's a lot. That's a lot you're dealing with. And if uh, Phil, if you can hang in there, I think the rest of us can hang in there with all of our petty little grievances and gripes, and and sometimes they can be pretty serious. And uh, well, Phil, thanks for the call. Thanks for the call. Yeah, that's um, look. I took it. I own it. Um, I was. It was recommended. It was my choice. I do regret taking it. I do. I do. I just. Uh, do I feel any side effects, though, now? I can't say that I do. Everything is as it was. Uh, everything is as it was. For now. For now. Haven't heard about this stuff flaring up later. Anyway, it is a choice. You know who didn't uh, choose to do it? A lot of young people. A lot of millennials. A lot of Generation Z. They were not down with the vaccine. And that's one of the things. I'm glad that Trump uh, pushed for it, but I'm also glad... <laughs> He didn't pose for the cameras getting the vaccine. He knew the he wanted it to be a choice. And Joe Biden thinks it should be the government's choice. And they've already chosen for us. It's totally disgusting and totally un-American. Give me a moment, please. Thanks. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. So Joe Biden was ripping apart America at that Howard University speech. And then at roughly the same time, the so-called Patriot Front uh, is marching around Washington, D.C. Now, ostensibly, what are these guys supposed to be? Nobody knows anything about them other than they seem to be impersonating what somebody's idea is of a far right or the alt right, whatever the hell that is. These are allegedly white supremacists. And as you know, MAGA is not white supremacy, okay? It's just, it's so far from what MAGA is all about. It's, but this group, whatever they are, and I think it's the Lincoln Project and the FBI coming together, and let's see if we can scare people about what, let's see if we can associate what the Patriot Front is. Let's see if we can pretend that they're somehow MAGA and get the people to believe it. Quite frankly, what they look like uh, are a bunch of off-duty actually on duty, um, federal employees 
um, federal marshals, uh, FBI, something. Um, it's been pointed out these guys are marching all throughout Washington, D.C., with a bunch of flags, colonial flags, you know, back when we had 13 colonies and it was a circle. Um, they're not causing any violence. They were escorted into the subway by the police. The police would not let anybody else get on the train. Since when's the last time the police said only Antifa can ride the train or only Black Lives Matter can ride the train? I, it's so strange. Is our government capable of doing this, setting up a straw group? Right. I mean, if you listen to how Joe Biden was speaking, I guess actually it is one more time. Joe Biden decrying the white supremacy that doesn't exist in America. Uh, go ahead. We know that American history has not always been a fairy tale. From the start, it's been a constant push and pull for more than 240 years between the best of us, the American ideal that we're all created equal and the worst of us. A harsh reality that racism has long torn us apart. It's a battle that's never really over. But on the best days, enough of us have the guts and the hearts to stand up for the best in us. To choose love over hate, unity over disunity, progress over retreat. To stand up against the poison. White supremacy, as I did my inaugural address to single out as the most dangerous terrorist threat to our homeland, is white supremacy. And I'm not saying this because I'm of a black HBCU. I say it wherever I go. To stand up for truth over lies, lies. Stop it for a second. That caused a bit of a commotion, right? People are like, what? He's like, first of all, we've heard you say it in all kinds of places, but um, that seemed to offend, that offended the crowd, I think, somehow, on some level. Wrap it up. Keep going. To confront the ongoing assault to subvert our elections, suppress our right to vote. Yeah, no. Uh, Voter ID is somehow suppressing the right to vote. You need an identification to do anything in the world. To get into this building, I need an ID. To get in the building across the street, I need an ID. Uh, to get actually from one component of, from one part of the office to the other part of the office, I need an ID. Maybe to vote, we need one as well. Or is that, are they going to take young people, old people, whatever, and just make it such a hot button issue? Voter ID somehow is white supremacy, right? You realize they moved the Major League Baseball game because of the Georgia voting law? Still, I still, somebody ought to write a book about that. When Major League Baseball, because of the false prospect of white supremacy, right, moved the game from Atlanta, Georgia to Denver, Colorado, and hurt a hell of a lot of people in the process. All right, I got to get ready for the big show, and the paperback version of my book is coming soon. So you may want to get a hard copy while you still can. It's called Justice for All. How the left is wrong about law enforcement. Uh, the January 6th stuff is great. Uh, that's possibly the, uh, for me, the most important part of the book, which, oh, by the way, is somewhat critical of certain aspects of, of law enforcement. We support uh, men and women in uniform, but don't forget, they work for us, not the other way around. And uh, all right, uh, with that, Natalie, very quick. Hi. 
Hi, Greg. I did start your, your book yesterday, and I wanted to ask you a question regarding the um, the incident with your dad at Times Square store and, and, and how he engaged. There was a woman who was being robbed for purse. Yeah. And she, you know, he helped. In today's climate, I mean, it's kind of a two-part question. In today's climate, do you think that that would happen? He was an NYPD officer in Nassau County. Is he? Are they allowed to do that? And second of all, do you think this today people, you know, off-duty officers would do that anymore? Uh, I hope they would, and but they've got to make that calculation. So my dad saw a purse get snatched, and uh, he saw it. I didn't. I was in the car with him, and he hit the gas, and we caught up to the guy and got the purse back, and he took his gun out. It was a wild adventure. I'll never forget it. I should ask him about that. What are the uh, – and today – I mean, so much of the community will turn against you. Will you know? They'll take out their cameras, try to look. But at the same time, I tell you what, you got to do the right thing. And if somebody is in distress, uh, you know, when the chips are down, you got to do the right thing. You got to help your fellow man, especially if you're a cop. You got to step in. And I know that you incur a lot of risk. It was always a tough job, and now we've made it that much harder. Hey, oh, by the way, easy for me to say. You know, I'll point that out. Easy for me to say. Natalie, thank you very much for, for getting the book. You're welcome. It's, it was a pleasure. I'm really excited to be reading it. I mean, all that occurred in the area I grew up in and then lived with my kids and my husband, you know, for many years in Baldwin. But I grew up very close to South Hempstead. I mean, I remember that Times Square store area before it was even built. So all of it, you know, um, it rings, you know, within. But I'm really looking forward to reading about it. I mean, my son's an officer, so I want to learn a lot of things. And I'm looking forward to finishing the book. Okay. Enjoy very, very much. Baldwin, I went through there yesterday. The WHLI radio towers still stand, still stand strong. Andrew, Rachel, Ellie, the rest, I'm so sorry I didn't get time uh, tonight. Big stuff. I'm actually talking to two of the people who had their... <laughs> They were planning a wedding, and all the guests were going to stay at one of those hotels that they kicked all of the guests. They canceled all the reservations so a bunch of illegal aliens can stay there. I'll see you tonight. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.